Joseph Arthur. A hypochondriac. A fuss budget. Neater than neat. Cleaner than clean. No wonder his wife kicked him out. Stop that, will you? What are you doing? I'm trying to clear up my ears. Did it open up? I think I strained my throat. Adam Ruckus Clark. Another guy whose wife left him. And his pad looks like she left it a long time ago. Who wants food? What do you got? I got uh, brown sandwiches and uh, green sandwiches. Which one do you want? What's the green? See, the very new cheese or very old meat. I'll take the brown. Joseph Arthur and Adam Ruckus Clark. You had your chance to talk last night. I begged you to come upstairs with me. If you want to live here, I don't want to see you, I don't want to hear you, I don't want to smell your cooking. Now kindly remove that spaghetti from my poker tape. It's not spaghetti. It's linguini. Joseph Arthur and Adam Ruckus Clark. Why don't you just take a tranquilizer? Go to your room. TNT Radio. Oh, man. That's brilliant. I need a moment of silence. I bow to the genius of that intro. That was so funny, dude. Oh, my God. All right. Hold up. <laughs> Patrick Henningsen. He's a colleague and a friend from TNT Radio. We're gonna hide up the mountain's shadow. And my odd couple buddy, Adam Ruckus Clark. He's a friend of mine. And the co-host of the Joseph Arthur Technicolor Dreamcast. He makes a different kind of spark that excites our mind. And we're the odd couple. The Odd Couple and Patrick Henningsen is our friend who came and visited us from another town and now he's staying in our deranged apartment here on TNT Radio. Wow, what an intro. Hey, listen. Hey, Patrick. Patrick Henningsen and Adam Ruckus-Clark. Thank God you guys are here. How brilliant was that Odd Couple intro dialed up by the TNT folks. Mike Ryan, you... You, what's going on, fellas? How you doing? That was epic. That was epic. Absolutely. <laughs> that was amazing, comic, dude. Comic I genius. Bow. That dude, really had was, my, dude. That, it had Mike Ryan written all over it, man. <laughs> oh, dude. Guys really raised there's a little bit of there, a backstory. I know, man. That Well, and there's a little backstory I must tell, although he might get mad at me for divulging behind the scenes stuff, but he did email me a few days back saying, you ever watch The Odd Couple? And I was like, the movie or the TV show? I used to watch it as a kid as a TV show, and I didn't I didn't say why. And I thought about saying why on the email, but I didn't. I just figured if he wanted to tell me why, he would, which he didn't. And then I was like, hmm, I wonder what that Odd Couple thing was all about. I think I even had that thought today. And then there it is. So good. So good. And we need that kind of stuff um, with this world uh you know, cascading into chaos. Patrick Henningsen is kind enough to come on our program, Ruckus, and and w- talk us through what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia and what's happening. We've he's given me some insight with some text messages, but uh, I figured it would be good to get you on, Patrick, and explain what what the heck is going on with this world we're in right now. 
Yeah, the best thing is just uh, you know throw me throw me some common conceptions that you're hang- hearing out in the news from friends, from people out in the world, whether people saying, and then ask me is is this true? Is this real? What's the real okay. story? Because I, I tend to I, I, I tend to riff well off what people are saying and thinking, and then I'll come um, in with yeah more specific. Version. Yeah. All right. So here's what here's what i've got so far from wherever the media basically is that putin uh came out and said um nato is at war with us or and and i had heard it actually that they were waging war with nato and you actually corrected me on that um but so nato is at war with us and we will use nuclear force or he implied that so and then Zelensky comes out and says if putin even so much as thinks about using nuclear force we should use we should strike first so basically calling for nuclear action um and how serious is this basically because yesterday i was like thinking uh oh this seems like doomsday nobody's going to back down what should america do how serious are we right now with this yeah when when, when you hear zelensky uh, uh say things like that you just have to think of that you know that little kid on the playground uh that his his sort of friends or he's got his big brother behind him who's like six foot eight and the kid's annoying everybody and trying to pick fights and knows that uh, he's got someone behind him that will cl- cl- uh, clean up after right. him, basically. That's Zelensky. Um, th- he's not in any position uh, to be issuing any threats. Uh, he's talking, he's speaking for NATO. And I can't imagine if anybody in any NATO member states uh, would accept that uh, Zelensky is going to be uh, dictating military policy on their behalf. Certainly, I'm not in that camp. Um, but so they've been taught, let's start with the nuclear threat. Cause this has been talked up for months, months and months and months, even from the very beginning, True. uh, when this phase of the conflict, uh, broke out at the end of February, beginning of March, 2022, they, the talking point was very well constructed. And it first started like this. They said, well, if, if Vladimir Putin gets desperate and I'm, I'm paraphrasing what is basically all the experts on CNN, Fox and MSNBC, because they all read from pretty much the same script. If Vladimir Putin gets desperate, Jim, do you think he'll use chemical weapons? Well, Bob, it's very possible. He is crazy after all, and nobody knows quite what Vladimir Putin's going to do. And uh, so they they basically reran this whole script from Syria and to make it plausible or believable that the Russians would use chemical weapons when in fact they they don't have any chemical weapons arsenal to anyone's knowledge. If they do, it's like the US, it's in cold storage. Uh, and secondly, why would they use chemical weapons if they're outmatching Ukraine um, by order of magnitude of something like 10 to one militarily, manpower, et cetera. They're, they're absolutely killing them in conventional warfare. But what you're getting in the West is the opposite. You're getting headlines like Vladimir Putin is on the ropes, stunning victory by Ukraine, you know, a counteroffensive and da da da. That that's what you're getting. And I can tell you without any reservations that the opposite is true. And if if you follow the reports on the ground, as some of us do, 
including people on TNT, many of the hosts do as well, very, very good job at reporting the truth about what's going on. You'll know that the opposite is, is in fact true. So what they've done here is then extended this to tactical nuclear weapons. Well, do you think Vladimir Putin will use a tactical nuclear weapon if he's backed into a corner? Well, Bob, I'm not sure, but uh, if he does, you know, we're going to respond uh, with uh, resolute uh, force and uh, you better not do that. That's what B- Joe Biden said. Uh, during the 60 Minutes interview. Don't do it. Don't right. do it, Putin. You'll regret it kind of thing. It's right. it's so laugh. It's laughable. It's laughable that Russia would, if they lose, lost a couple of skirmishes in a couple of nondescript Ukrainian villages, that they would somehow get upset and drop a tactical nuclear weapon just to make a statement and basically cause World War III when they're winning bigly, as Trump would say, winning bigly. It's the same thing. Why would Assad use chemical weapons when he was defeating ISIS and Al-Qaeda handedly? All of a sudden, chemical weapons attacks uh, manifest in Syria. Of course, that it, it was it, by anyone's educated guess, it's a false flag. That's what happened in Duma, in Khan in Ghouta. All, all the Syrian incidents were very questionable, but reported in Western media as absolute gospel in fact. So, so this is a very dangerous point we're in right now, because what's going on in Ukraine right now is extremely serious. The reason all the kicking, screaming, and the hands waving in Western media is because right now, starting today, there's referendums in four different key regions uh, in what is formerly Ukraine, will become former Ukraine, which is Kherson by Crimea in the south, Zaporizhia, which is in this uh, central stroke southern region, the location of the largest nuclear power facility in Europe, and also in the Donbass, Donetsk and Lugansk People's Republics, formerly autonomous regions, recently declared autonomous regions, if they all vote to go into the Russian Federation, then that's the end of that section of Ukraine that was formerly Ukraine at that point. And then Russian troops and reservists will move into Russian positions and the real Russian military, understand what I just said, the real Russian military then finally enters this conflict. They have not deployed anybody of any number. That's what I heard, yeah nor their air force. So you, they're going to move into new Russian territory after the referendums. This is why the freak out is going on. Uh, and they, they don't know what to okay. do in, in, in the West right now. That's so well explained because I get it now. Cause that's like the uptick from Putin because it was Jim and Bob on MSNBC, but also Putin just get, did a speech where he did intimate that, 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 uh, that there was nuclear potential from him. I mean, it did come out of the horse's mm-hmm. mouth, so to speak. But so you're saying this new uh, this new Russian territory, he was also saying if anyone touches any Russian soldier, that's like, that's an act of war that you won't be able to back down from, essentially. Well, the, the warning he issued was specific uh, in reference to the referendums. If any, if there are any terrorist attacks or uh, aerial missile attacks or whatever that interfere with the elections uh, or the referendum over the next four days until September 27th, ah. that Russia will respond with with overwhelming force. So right. when, when, he, when he was talking, he didn't make an explicit nuclear threat. Um, what he said earlier in the week was that Russia will do whatever it takes to defend um, its uh, its national security and its existential concerns. 
So he's implying that they are willing to use nuclear weapons. Of course, they've said that many times before. So this is kind of being rehashed. Um, What it means is that Russia is prepared to lay it down all on the line. They're calling up 300,000 reservists. And that means that they'll be backfilling. These people will be backfilling other positions. So they're getting ready for a long protracted uh, conflict and to build up a defense uh, perimeter uh, in these republics. And it's not over after this happens and then move on to Odessa. And, you know, it's very conceivable that within six months, uh, what used to be Ukraine will not have or a year, perhaps it might take longer, won't have a coastline. Um, and they'll have lost 70% of their GDP and 30 to 40% of their territory. And there'll be a little rump state wedged up against Poland uh, and uh, Belarus. And that's the end of that. So <laughs> that's that's where it's heading right now. So and it's, will NATO yeah, and and you will NATO and Ukraine heed his warnings? What's your opinion? Well, what he what he's saying is that if NATO wants to go all out, Russia says we're ready to go. We're we're ready to roll. If you guys are ready, if you if you want to put your money where your mouth is, we're ready to roll. So it, is NATO willing to put its money where its mouth is? To 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 this point in time, I'm going to say no, they're not. What NATO has done over the last um, nine years is basically build up Ukraine as a uh, a proxy force, um, as a cudgel in order to 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 hit and poke Russia by arming them, by throwing in uh, thousands and thousands of uh, NATO special forces and training, uh, spending tons and tons of money, just dumping it in there. And it's basically become a black hole from a funding point of view. So that's the that's the largest force in Europe. It's 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 trained by NATO's finest. It's armed with NATO's best weaponry, and they're getting pummeled by the Russians. You see, so there's there's no force within Europe that has the manpower that Ukraine has, and has had the amount of money poured into it, and from a military point of view than Ukraine has. So what does that tell you about NATO as a military? Uh, concern it, it this is a huge failure for them and so what mm. it's left is a lot of other european countries more or less under defended from a manpower point of view budgetary from armament point of view a lot of the, the stinger missiles or the end laws the shoulder mounted um that they said was going to change the course of the war those are all depleted uh by the uk they don't have any left no javelins left in america either they're having to uh, order there's a backlog on the orders on that and meanwhile, they've, dra- they've dragged Sweden and Finland into the fray by convincing them they needed to join NATO when they had perfectly cordial relations with Russia before that. So it's mm. a total failure, a total disaster from a NATO point of view. Russia is willing to sacrifice blood and treasure. Uh, Europe is not. And it really comes down to that. Europe is it, the mm. EU is not willing to what the, what the EU's leadership is willing to do is ask its population to sacrifice their standard of living for the Zelensky regime. So the the people have to sacrifice, but not the political bodies and not the elite. Uh, But our budgets are going to be depleted from a personal household point of view by paying four to five times for energy than you did last year to support Zelensky. Okay. So, but, but the government's not going to sacrifice anything. They're not going to cut back on their various other budgets. Um, it's just austerity for the people. That's the deal. That's, the, that's the offer, uh, for this wow. year. 
uh, with this whole thing. And it's, it's completely preposterous. And some will go further in, consp- uh, in the conspiratorial sense and say that this is fulfilling it's one of purpose. Klaus Schwab's great, great wet dreams uh, to deindustrialize well, it Europe. It does do that. And yeah. yeah. It happens to do that. It, it does happen to achieve just that. So it's hard not to go a little bit conspiratorial on it. Um, and then we got to go to a break. But then another aspect of this that amped up nuclear dread and what I'm getting from you basically is um, you're sort of squashing my concerns there. So thank you for that. Um, and I hope that's I'm reading that right. But another thing, and I want to get your take on this and then ruckus. Um, Another aspect of this was China coming out and and singing John Lennon's All We Are Saying Is Give Peace a Chance, which was very shocking to everybody. And, of course, the Western media played into that narrative as well to amp up nuclear concern and, you know, keep pushing the fear narrative down our throats all the time. We'll get Patrick's take on that and then ruckuses right after these words on TNT. TNT Radio's Jason Olborn. The CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices met for eight hours on September the 1st, 2022 and authorised the untested boosters 13 votes to one. And so, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky endorsed the recommendation later that evening. Pfizer's new booster is a bivalent injection targeting Omicron subvariants BA4 and BA5, which are the two currently in circulation, whilst Moderna's bivalent shot targets the already extinct Wuhan strain and Omicron's subvariant BA1. Of course it does. Pfizer's bivalent booster was tested on a total of eight mice. Eight! And they only checked antibody levels, even though antibody levels cannot tell you whether the shot actually protects against infection and symptomatic and or serious illness. And Moderna refused to even announce how many mice it tested its vaccines on. Jason Olborn and Jason Q. Citizen on TNT Radio. Google and Facebook, they don't sell you anything. They sell you. Facebook constantly manipulates their users. They do it by the things that they insert into the news feeds. And they do it by the types of hosts they allow their users to see. It's what Google and Facebook are doing on a regular basis by suppressing stories, by steering us towards other stories rather than the stories we're actually seeking. That's the real manipulation that's going on. I was a design ethicist at Google where I studied how do you ethically steer people's thoughts. It will always favor one online music service over another and one candidate over another. Google and Facebook has the power to undermine democracy without us knowing that democracy has been undermined. There's what I call the creepy line and the the Google policy about a lot of these things is to get right up to the creepy line but not cross it. Google crosses the creepy line every day. Discover how society is manipulated by Google and Facebook. The creepy line at SalemNow.com. A cashless society means zero cash. No car boot sales. No markets. No tooth fairy or piggy banks. No saving cash for a rainy day. No buying anything with privacy. Digital currency means every cent you receive will be recorded and every transaction tracked. Lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT Radio. And we're back with Patrick Henningsen and Adam Ruckus-Clark. So, Patrick, what's the significance of China singing all we are saying is give peace a chance? 
Um, I, I don't think it's particularly uh, significant, although it's welcome. It's nice to see, uh, you know, the sort of the hippie spirit uh, coming out of Beijing. This is all good. We can all join hands and uh, we can all get on the hillside with a bottle of Coke and have a good feel good <laughs> moment there. I think this is good. I like it. I like it a lot. I know it's new for them. I like it. It, it looks good on you, China. Keep, you yeah. know, China. We're, we're digging that John Lennon vibe. Keep it going. I love bro. that. What's wrong? I you know, love that. we can all change. I, I, we can all evolve. You know. Yeah. What do you think, Ruckus? We haven't we haven't heard enough from Ruckus yet on this episode. What's going on, Ruckus? And what do you think of what Patrick was saying? Are you more educated? I know I ha I have a clearer picture of what's going on. I have a bit of a handicap advantage over you as far as my knowledge of the information that has been brought <laughs> to my brain, courtesy of Mr. Patrick Henningsen. So, um, yeah, um, Patrick was, you know, he already made reference to the, the, the Syria thing, like um, 21 Wire and Patrick Henningsen and alternate current radio and a lot of fine independent journalists really sunk their teeth into what was going on with um you know some previous conflicts especially the the thing going on with syria and you can take the lessons that were learned from that and apply it to each of these new conflicts air quotes there um <clears throat> that we keep in encountering because it's this it's it's a it's a game plan it's a book it's like a manual that they the proverbial they use to you know do their stuff so if we read their playbook then we we know the game plan so um if it's okay, Joseph, I have a quick question for Patrick because I have something that I oh, need an answer to. Dude, you're the co-host, man. Of course, dude. Right. Go, go, well, run with the Patrick, ball, bro. I passed it to you. Let me know what you think. <laughs> I, I heard, is this true? Okay. And there might be a, a follow-up question to this. But is it true that there are like 300,000 more Russian men who are being forced to join the Russian military and go fight and in response to that that there's massive waves of protest i've seen videos and pictures running around of like men and women crying and like pro i'm not gonna die for putin uh is there any truth to that and what's going on there i i would guess if, it, if you're seeing it in the western media there's a 99.9 percent .9 chance that it's over embellished and over amped up i'm sure there's protests they have an anti-war uh block and a, and a sort of left-wing peace block uh pro-western block as well in russia just like every other country and they're out in the streets and then they're gonna bump heads with some police and there might be some arrests and they might issue some fines and they might take names and a few slaps on the wrist uh because you know from russia's point of view this is paramount national security uh, uh period in the country's history right now so what they're engaged in on their own border by the way this is not like 10,000 miles away, like the U.S. gallivanting through the Middle East or in the in the Hindu Kush uh, in Afghanistan, trying to tame the natives and build a new a new nation of uh, of inclusivity, equity and diversity. That's not what this is. This is totally existential from a Russian point of view. They share a history with Ukraine. That was Russia at one point. In fact, Russia uh, comes from Kiev, Kiev Rus. This is the the uh, the origins of the Russian culture, their Orthodox Church, uh, their history, and so forth. So they've got a lot tied up into this. Not to mention World War II uh, and uh, Nazi Germany's march eastward, uh, which ended in defeat at Stalingrad and Napoleon's before that. So besides all that, 
um, this is an existential situation. So the West is trying to paint this like, uh, the, you know, that the, the, uh, Putin is stifling the, uh, the, 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 the birth pangs of a new democracy in Russia and all the rest of this. So they're going through a tumultuous time. This the, Russia's made a calculated gamble here. They're saying we either nip this in the bud now. This has gotten out of control, especially from 2014 after the U.S.-backed coup in Kiev and then the, the rearming of the Ukrainian forces uh, to, to, to create a sort of cudgel against Russia. They said, we either deal with this now and, and save the people of the Donbass uh, and, and protect Crimea, which is uh, historically Russia in a modern sense, um, or we're going to have to deal with something even worse in, in 10, 15, 20 years time the potential breakup of Russia by the West through various means. Okay. So you can see, this is why it's evoked the, the fury because like in 2014, Russia didn't blink. They moved fast. They knew it was happening. They knew it was at stake. And that in, in 2014, it was the black sea fleet in Sevastopol major geostrategic node for an existential military node for, for Russia. And they decided, well, we'll do what's long overdue, which is repatriate Crimea back to Russia, reunified it with Russia, it was split in 1953 by Khrushchev. It was like East Germany and West Germany split during uh, the fall of the Iron Curtain. Crimea w was, was taken from Russia as a sort of political favor during the Khrushchev premiership. Uh, in 1953. Before that, it was Russia. So they reunified Russia with Crimea. So they, but they did this very fast, and that really upset the West. Putin is basically the geopolitical equivalent. If you could characterize Russia and Putin in the modern Russia, their attitude towards the West now, they are the MGTOW of countries. This is men going their own way. This is the alpha dog, and Britain is the Karen, okay? Uh, embodied by their new prime minister, who's completely a Karen. And the U.S. is like The View. Think of the panel of hosts at The View. <laughs> That's genius, That's the dude. <laughs> now you're talking so, my language, dude. MGTOW, The View, I love this. <laughs> this so if you're good. MGTOW... Are you going to be listening to a word that's coming out of Washington or the U.S. media and caring at all about it? Of course you're not, because they're completely detached from reality and overinflated self of import, self-importance and all the rest of it. Yeah. And a bankrupt economy that's running on vapor, running on fiat right. vapor, ready to collapse at any minute. You know, they're just laughing yeah. and thinking you guys are mad. So, but and the and the way the narrative is spun in the West lacks any. It's comical how it lacks any nuance to how complex the situation actually is. It's just like, well, it's the orange man bad, but now it's the Putin man bad thing. Yeah. So you want you um, so you want to get the big black pill, which I can I can dish yeah, out right now if you want. Well, wait. Maybe okay, we should. Maybe we go to the headlines and then you'll come back to the yeah. black pill. We'll say we'll savor this black pill. <laughs> I mean, it is a big black pill, so let's savor it. We'll go to the headlines on TNT. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. North Korea has denied U.S. intelligence reports that it was preparing to sell millions of artillery shells and rockets to Russia and has accused Washington of spreading reckless rumours. Parts of Australia's east coast are again underwater following yet another round of heavy rainfall. And the death toll from violent anti-government protests sweeping Iran has risen to 17. 
God, you're amazing. You're a much better listener than my wife. You're always there for me. I think I may be in love. Where is she? It's not what it seems. I I was talking to... Who's the tramp I heard you talking to? That was my Alexa, sweetie. Well, she sounds like a tramp. (laughs) Fall in love with news and talk all over again with your smart device. Just tell it to play. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And we're back with Patrick Henningsen and Adam Marcus Clark. I'm Joseph Arthur. Patrick's about to deliver the big black pill for rigtail Russians going their own way. I need more on <laughs> on how you're relating it to MIGTAL because um, anyway, and and also is Putin just against the sort of the globalists? Is he just for independence and a nationalist and a Christian and all that? Is are those his values? And is that at the root of all this? But go ahead and give us the big black pill. Okay, well, I'll, I'll answer those those questions about uh, about Russia, Putin, and and the motivations behind this, the pedigree, and all that. We can talk about okay. that because there's a story. There's a very interesting story there, actually, that I think people need okay, to understand. Cool. But the, the, this black pills is about the size of a golf ball, so get ready. Um, you're gonna have Uh-oh. to wash it down with something really good. Um, <laughs> so the the talking point that Russia would deploy. Uh, tactical nuclear weapons if it was losing so all the all the western media needs to do is to kind of invent uh, a, a, a narrative that uh, russia's losing they just basically cascade that across all media outlets get all the politicians to repeat it and they actually have a po- intercountry policy which they ratified in uh june of 2018 among the g7 countries it's called the rapid rapid reaction response and that means that dictates that they will all be on the same page with all the public statements of anything of importance regarding uh defense or the economy or any perceived threat to NATO or whatever. So that's why you see the same scripts in all the same G7 countries, because they've actually ratified that they're all going to read the same script. They did that in 2018. So the, this script is that Russia will use tactical nukes if it's backed into a corner and it's and it's losing. So we're in a really dangerous impasse right now because Russia is basically about to blow the whole thing open in their favor. Okay, and 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 set lines that will never go back again. Is it? It's a fantasy that Ukraine or Zelensky or any of these uh, disparate battalions and Nazi throwbacks and all that they're going to retake all their territory uh, pre uh, borders. 2014, uh, including the Donbass and Crimea. I mean, it's just total delusional fantasy. But uh, Americans and British now, unfortunately, have become like Americans, a lot of them. They live in a delusional fantasy world, as do many Western Europeans. But Americans are even worse because they're more remote from the actual battlefield. So they're able to project and sort of live in a fantasy land in in a much greater way than the British or the Europeans. They're little bit more towards reality in Britain and Europe. And the closer you get to Ukraine, the more reality you find in the knowledge of the people in the street. So all they have to do is put this narrative out and seed it. So guess what? If somebody detonated a tactical nuclear weapon, anybody, including a NATO party or a third party or Israel or whoever, um, in, in, within Ukraine, and, that's, and that, that, that will go out on the global wires that there's a nuclear explosion in Ukraine and immediately the global media 
and all the G7 countries and everybody will immediately blame Russia. It'll be case closed. Osama bin Laden, Twin Towers. We know who did it like before lunch. Okay, and anyone who's anybody who's challenging that is peddling Russian disinformation and needs to be shut down. That's the reality of what would happen. So we're in more risk of a false flag right Ah, now. The probability is very, very dangerous and very high. Now, this doesn't mean just just understand that doesn't mean that NATO would respond. (laughs) It means that they would then vilify Russia to the nth degree forever and sanction them more and then kick out close embassies and just basically accelerate this Cold War further and further. And then, and then you'll see these fake, various horror stories. They're, they're, the West are quite willing and able to, to, to exact collateral damage if it's for the greater good. Okay. And it doesn't need to even be a proper nuclear tactical nuke. It could just be a big explosion that they said has some radiological signature, or it could be a dirty bomb. Uh, it could be, it could be anything. So we're in a very dangerous position right now. Now that's the negative side. That's the big black pill. The positive side is that the the people in Washington surrounding the Biden administration do not have the backbone of the stones to go through with that one. But more likely, it would be a third party actor or another NATO member state like Britain, who maybe wants to stay out of the fray, but will employ a third party to do something like a, a, a provocation like that. And then that, that would force the U.S. to take a position, uh, which I just described a minute ago. OK, so the, the, the positive outcome would be that they would fold in Washington early and then force peace negotiations. And, and say, okay, enough's enough. We need to come to the table. And why would they do that? The West needs to buy time. They need to interrupt this referendum and independence process or repatriation uh, or the movement of these uh, regions to the Russian Federation via referendum. They need to interrupt that process. They need to buy time for perhaps another provocation, either that type of a provocation or something else in the Baltic Sea, uh, some kind of a naval challenge uh, uh, with Kaliningrad in the Baltic Sea, or perhaps a Black Sea provocation there to basically interrupt progress towards uh, them taking Odessa, for instance, or sink a few ships in Sevastopol within the Russian Navy and, and then create some kind of international incident there. Something or or a nuclear um, uh, explosion in Zaporizhia with the power plants to the, the international community would demand a UN peacekeeping force right in the middle of the whole battlefield, which of course would be hugely convenient for NATO. So there's a lot of different possibilities here, but there's two potential, the, the road is split and you can go down either the peace negotiations or the false flag. The third option is that they do nothing and Russia carries on more vilification, extend the proxy war. That's not bad either because that would fulfill the deindustrialization and the sort of, you know, torpedoing of the German, French and European economies and uh, destroying the working class and middle class by, uh, you know, lopping uh, fivefold energy costs on each household and destroying everybody's standard of living. And there's a lot of people who want that to happen in the West uh, and then usher in the central bank, digital currency, et cetera, et cetera, fulfill the great reset finally and fully. Um, so there, there's, a, there's a few black pills actually in there. But, yeah. Um, 
That's a lot so of black you, pills, Patrick. Slow down, man. That's uh, <laughs> like my brain, my mind. I have to put pieces of my mind back in my brain. You see it so clearly, man. It's really, it's just kind of a joy to hear you speak on it because I don't know, man. Ruckus probably already has clarity at this level, but I don't. And so it's just like, um, it's a great vision to, to uh, share with you. What do you think the most likely result will be? And then I want Ruckus to chime in. Uh, that's a good question, Joseph. Uh, out of out of those options, which I just mentioned, um, I really think I just have this. I have this feeling based on the past pattern of behavior that they, they they've tried kind of half heartedly to create false flags and stage provocations. I don't think they have the the political will or the balls to do it. The West. I think they're out. They're outgunned. Um, they don't have the uh, political support in the West from the people to engage in a, in a to escalate this war to a world war situation. Um, and people are suffering and you're going into a really difficult winter. They're playing they're playing a big gamble in NATO countries in the West. So I think Russia is going to proceed with some terrorist attacks. I think there's going to be some, unfortunately, some people, you know, there's going to be some asymmetric warfare in these newly, uh, um, these newly absorbed Russian Federation provinces. And I think it's just, I think the long-term proxy war is good for enough people in the West that they will keep it going. In the meantime, Russia will steadily advance and steadily gain territory over the next few years. It'll be messy. It'll be ugly at times. It'll be downright frightening at times. But they're making this steady march. They have history and culture on their side. And all of the people in these regions pretty much identify for more or less as Russian. So it's not a big stretch. They want protection. They want stability. They want an economy that works. They want, a poli they want political stability. They're going to get that from Moscow and not from Kiev. They're getting d the segregated and discriminated against from Kiev with the blessing of all the uh, you know, democratic uh, values of the West. These countries are turning a blind eye to open racism, discrimination, segregation. That's fine. Uh, but so the people are just like, mm, I don't want to be part of what's going on in Kiev. That's that's not for us. That's not our future. So I think I think it's going to continue incrementally uh, until there's a very very small version of what was formerly Ukraine, uh, and it's going to be messy. It's going to be dangerous and frightening, as I said. Uh, but eventually, it's this is going to happen. Okay. So what do you think, Ruckus? Chime in here, bro. Um, I think I'm going to have trouble sleeping tonight. Thanks, Patrick. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no fear, everybody. <laughs> Patrick is just using um, some, you know, rarely used tools in the media these days. He's, he's using things like common sense, logic, right. recent history to analyze the events that, that we're experiencing. So um, it reminds me... Um, quite harrowingly, actually, um, in a way, of uh, Mr. Bill Cooper, because he was doing exactly what, you know, Patrick is basically predicting the possibility of the next 9-11, but Bill Cooper predicted the first 9-11. He was the OG. He set the, the bar uh, pretty high, actually. And I, I think 
Patrick, I think you're you're basically emulating Bill Cooper um, in in probably more ways than we might realize here uh, with this type of prediction. So, watch your six, amigo. That's all I got to say on that regard. Of course, you always do. Uh, God bless and protect you. Um, but it's very important what you're saying, and I think you're right, right yeah. that they won't here, do here. that. Hallelujah. God bless and protect you for yeah. sure. Sorry, I, but I think he's right. I don't think I don't think we live in a time and an era where they can get away with it. Because too many people are awake to what we're just referring here constantly throughout this conversation is 9-11. And I've brought up this before. I, I would imagine that if you were to walk out on the street and just ask the common man, do like a jaywalking thing with a microphone and say, hey, what do you think about 9-11? Do you think it was an inside job? Just try to get the feel for that. Right. I think that a lot of people already suspect whether they even know why or what that even means. They've adopted that idea. And we live in a world of deep fake videos and distrust in government, distrust in propaganda and the news. So I think that they wouldn't get away with uh, being able to do it exactly as Patrick described, where they can just, you know, something happens anywhere, whether they Drop did it or not, or it was an accident. On. Yeah. And they yeah. can just say, oh, yeah, he did it. Like, Russia you know, did it. He did it. <laughs> how immature, yeah. you know, but that's that's yeah. the game plan they always do. But here's what I think they will do. And um I think that they would not be the least bit afraid of doing something like this, where there's a hack of some sort or something goes down, some sort of grid, some sort of banking system, satellites, some sort of cyber attack that they will immediately point to Russia. And I think that the, in general, people would be willing to swallow that without doing much digging or research. But I think it would be harder for them to, to pass off a big explosion. They'd be like, oh, isn't that a little convenient? You know, I think... You know, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, well, the other plus, thing you like, got to yeah. Oh, go oh, ahead, go Joseph. Ahead, go ahead. Well, no, no I was saying Joseph. plus, you know, Putin wouldn't be silent about it either. I mean, there would be a counterattack to that narrative. Of course, all the sort of like people who support the current thing would would say he's a liar. But there would be a lot of other people that you know, like what basically what Ruckus just said. I'm reiterating. You know, there plus there would be he a didn't lot take of people his shoe off. Yeah. And bang it on the desk so he doesn't really mean it, you know. Otherwise, that means that's what you got to do, Ted, right, Patrick? Ted Cruz <laughs> re reference. All right, so go no, ahead, Patrick. Khrushchev. What were you about to say? Oh, right. No, oh, yeah. What you got? Or, or take the shoes and throw them at uh, and throw them at you. Oh, right. Throw two of them, actually. Yeah. That's the ultimate uh, insult in the Middle East uh, if you throw the yeah. shoes, uh, especially if they land. But um, the no, you have to understand is it's it, in a the the West is so preoccupied, uh, the the culture, the political uh, economy is so preoccupied with trying to uh, renovate its own reputation um, because they're they're very aware, uh, consciously aware that the 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 trust in government is at an all time low. They see the polls. The trust in the mainstream media is an all time low. They need Russia to almost succeed in Ukraine. U.S. and NATO are using this conflict to absolve all of their sins of the past. You know, like right. how many disasters have has NATO and the U.S. and UK left in in their wake. We lost count in their in their twisted little kind of moral minds. They're also you know all this is all self absolved because Putin is the aggressor. So that's it. Just say Putin is the aggressor. Mm -hmm. Rinse and repeat. All of a sudden, international laws 
suddenly a thing in the US, the UK, they're quoting it sort of. Actually, when you look at the UN charter, everything that Russia has done has been pretty much by the books uh, in terms of nation forming and self-determination in the Donbass. Uh, Ukraine cut off electricity, salaries to civil service, then deployed the military to attack their own people. So according to the UN Charter and the bylaws of nation forming, um, that country then raises a militia to defend themselves. Uh, then they declare themselves autonomous. If they get recognized by one of their neighbors, then they're officially in a sort of uh, interim position of being a nation. That's why Russia didn't move their military into Donbass and the Donbass defended themselves in the first in the last eight years. There was a reason for that. And it was because Russia said, you've got to stand on your own two feet. Otherwise, this won't work in the long run. If you want to be truly independent or be part of our country, you're going to have to defend yourself. We'll help you do that in different ways, but we can't go in with our military all guns blazing um, because you're still technically part of Ukraine. That all ended. On, on that fateful eve in, in late February 2022, when Donetsk and Lugansk People's Republic declared themselves as autonomous republics. That was by the book. It was a technical move. Russia is in alignment and in accordance to international law. That's going to upset a lot of people. And by the way, the Crimean referendum in 2014 uh, does abide by pretty much all tenets of international law. You can get people arguing about it, different points of view, different scholars. But at the end of the day, the people went direct democracy. It's overwhelming. 95% voted to, to join the Russian Federation, rejoin the Russian Federation. So th this is what's going on in Donbass, now in Kherson, Zaporizhia could be the same thing next Odessa, where after that, and a couple of other provinces. And then that's, you know, there'll be pariah states or not recognized by the West for 10, 20, 30 years. Russia's not thinking 10 mm. or 20, 30 years. They're thinking 100 years. The West is thinking wow. three months till the next election, you see. It's like Michael Saylor investing in Bitcoin. He says, think 10 years ahead. Russians thinking 100 years ahead. That's Patrick Henningsen. What a breakdown, man. Thank you for bringing that. We got to go to a quick break. We'll be right back with TNT after these words. The news everyone is talking about. TNT Radio, where the longer you listen, the more reasons you find to keep listening. Lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT Radio. And we're back with Patrick Henningsen and Adam Ruckus-Clark. Oh, man, there's a new article that just came out on the Daily Wire. The World Professional Association for Transgender Health recently published its new standards of care guidelines with a controversial chapter that seeks to include eunuch as part of the transgender umbrella. So apparently, you know, no sex at all is going to become a, um, part of this. And I've been hearing about this. Uh, Thomas W. Johnson, a professor of anthropology at California State University in Chico and a major contributor to the eunuch chapter opened the session with a history lesson. Eunuch is the oldest recognized gender outside the binary, said Johnson. And during a history lesson, he said that enslaved people used to be castrated in similar ways to livestock. Slaves were just another domestic animal, said Johnson. So th that's the compelling bit about this whole thing. Uh, I, and we only have 10 minutes. Maybe we should have just stayed on Russia, but I can't, uh, I couldn't resist <laughs> this. I wanted to get your guys' take on this because this is kind of a disturbing new trend, obviously. And this, this eunuch aspect of it is uh, kind of taking it to another level. 
what's your guys's take on this well uh, i'll just i'll just say that uh, this is a revanchist move back to medieval uh principles right. in times because what they left out of the definition of the eunuch is one of the main functions of the eunuch the reason they castrated them was so they would use them to stand guard at the harems so there'll be lots of sex going on in the harems <laughs> the harems um guarded right. by the eunuchs so the eunuchs just aren't going to be having any fun so um i, I don't see any glory or prestige or status in, in being a eunuch um other than <laughs> just be hanging out outside like as a bouncer basically um but yeah so it's 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 just ridiculous um uh what passes as you know progressive culture in the west um right now is pretty shocking uh i think this is a this is a flurry this is a flamboyant period in uh, western civilization and they've managed to get the element of surprise and sneak up on people with this but it, there's a huge backlash forming on this and it's it's a oh, tidal yeah. wave actually it's gonna crush yeah, this thing and pulverize it I think so too. They definitely overplayed their hand on this. Uh, somebody, I forget who was, was just saying how Bill, Bill Maher, they brought up Bill Maher moving and just how like the wokeism is just going bankrupt. And, and most people just can't accept this level, you know, and it has nothing to do with tolerating other people's lifestyle choices. That's ridiculous. That's the umbrella. They always sort of put over everything. If you don't accept all of this, then obviously you're a bigot, you know? So that's like the oldest trick in the book. What do you think, Ruckus? I think things are just gone way too far now. <laughs> like, I remember when like body modification used to be like piercings. Right, and, yeah. You know, and now it's like, hey, chop your wang off and call yourself a eunuch and you'll probably get some insurance benefits somewhere. Um, yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, no, no, man, I'm not down for this at all. Um, and I just think it's just more of this ridiculous clown world, woke distraction, um, mob outrage kind of, you know, somebody's going to get triggered somewhere by this discussion, you know, by seeing that headline. Yeah. And they're going to speak their opinion about it with their friends on Facebook and Twitter and create more outrage and more clicking and more distraction and more uh, unimportant discussion um, when there's more important things to be worried about. Um, to your point, though, did you guys notice that there was some serious pushback to the um, <laughs> the uh, the uh, the teacher there with the the big uh, prosthetics? Yeah, well, breasts? that's that's yeah. part of them overplaying their hand. Um, the other part was of the a massive protest. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I didn't know that, that but that that's overplaying their hand that teacher and the fact that that you know the school got behind her him whatever they identify as i guess her probably i mean mm -hmm. those jugs make me think they identify as her but who who am i to say um you know the other one is the military uh doing away with calling calling your parents mom and dad or referring to mom and dad when you talk to other people about their caregivers now caregivers is what they want you to go with and this one sort of seem, comes across as a nothing story in these flashy other bigger stories or sort of more titillating stories you could say i don't know if they're titillating but just more extreme um but the the mom and dad one to me is really poignant because you know those two words are like besides love and god those are the two most epic words in our psychologies and they're sort of they're attacking those and they're sort of attacking the roots of our humanity through that what do you think of that patrick 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty much it. They're canceling, they're canceling the family, the the the, the basis of the family unit. The mother, I mean, they can't get any right. more sort of denial of your roots than that. I mean, uh, self-loathing, self-hating humans. Uh, we need to create a new category for this. Yeah, and a colder reality, like refer to them as caregiver. Like that's just an anonymous, <laughs> you know. Like you know, it's like mom and dad is you know those words are full of emotion yeah it could be negative emotion maybe somebody has two moms maybe somebody was orphaned and they have caregivers and then they have to explain that but they feel excluded if you say mom and dad and it's like well they can deal with that the world is challenging there's lots of challenges in the world if that's your challenge i feel for you but I don't think because you might be challenged in that way, none of us can refer to our parents as mom and dad anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, what's going on? All right, we're coming close to the end of the show. Ruckus, uh, what do you got for us to take us on the way out of here? Unfortunately, sometime in the, the near future, we'll look back on this this problem of uh, the, the gender identity and whether or not you can refer to your biological contributors um, as mother and father uh, when we realize that like the humans have been completely taken out of the equation as far as raising the kids are concerned because they're probably just going to be raised by AI programs yeah Yeah, that's what living in the metaverse implement no human contact that's why they're getting rid of gender getting rid of identities so i think that's where it's trying to get rid of humans you know it's like what it is to be human that's at the core of it you have decentralized parental units <laughs> yeah it's a new film for matt walsh what is a human you know maybe you should make <laughs> the next documentary for ben shapiro there right yeah Damn well it's definitely going to progress you know obviously these seeds get planted and um you can kind of see where it's going to progress because of what well, just what we've lived through for the last couple, two, three years and, and beyond for those of you guys, you guys have been awake longer than me. I was, you know, I was sound asleep until relatively recently. Thanks a lot for waking me up, you two. <laughs> how Black dare Pilling. you? And Black Black Pilling, how dare you, Patrick Henningsen? Jeez. Ruckus gonna, is the I king of Black Pills. He's, he's got That's a whole true. jar of Black Pills on his desk. <laughs> He's been just out of camera. All right, what are you guys? guys uh, what are you guys doing this weekend? We're we're on the way out. This is the last minute, so thanks for coming on, Patrick Henningsen. Much love. I love you, brother. Can't wait to hike with you soon, and we're gonna go up to Camelback and do some do some magic, some recording, or something. Something some surprise is coming, right? And, yeah, we're getting uh, ready for it. Getting ready for it. Training, training, getting ready. Training. That's right. And Adam Ruckus Clark, thank you, my friend. Um, yeah, it was a great conversation. Great weekend. Yeah, really, yeah. really informative, man. I'm much smarter now. I'm going to go to the cocktail party and act like all Patrick's ideas are mine. That's what I'm going to do. There <laughs> you <Excuse> go. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not going to a cocktail party, but still, I'll go tell Anna that and make her think I'm smart. Anyway, keep listening to TNT, y'all. We got to go. Peace out.